It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. Well, all right. What's up, everybody? Happy. What day is it today? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? It's Tuesday. That's right. Uh, when you do a lot of drugs, you don't know what uh, day of the week it is. Yeah. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's Pushing the Limits. Thank you so much for joining us on a Tuesday, Pushing the Limits. And uh, I am really excited because we got uh, some great guests today. Sometimes I lie on the air and I say we got a big show and we don't, but we actually do have a big show today. Uh a man who is the former White House communications director for Donald Trump, even though he didn't last very long. That's right, the Mooch. Anthony Scaramucci is going to be joining us in hour number two. Uh, and with the new news out that it appears as though Donald Trump is going to be indicted again uh, for uh, inciting January 6th, we got to get the Mooch and his thoughts on that. So Anthony Scaramucci will be joining us in hour number two. That's going to be a lot of fun, yes. So who, who lasted longer, Mooch or Trump with Stormy? Uh, definitely the mooch because he lasted like 11 or 12 days and I think Trump lasted 11 or 12 seconds. I could be wrong on that. Allegedly, allegedly, but that's a very valid question to ask. Also coming up in our number two, uh, he's former, uh, NBA veteran played, uh, for the Bulls, the Raptors, the Knicks and the Pistons, uh, NBA vet himself, also known as junkyard dog, Jerome Williams will be joining us in our number two. Uh, he's been involved in trying to get an NBA team to Vegas. So he's going to give us an update on that. Um, I want to start off with, with, uh, the squad and talking about the squad and, and people, you know, I call out bigotry and racism. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I call things out as I see it. If you're a racist or you're a bigot, or you say something that is just off the walls, crazy, I'm going to call you out on it. And I haven't been a big fan of the squad. I'll be honest with you. Um, I have respect for Ocasio-Cortez, but she says a lot of crazy things. Uh, I believe Ilhan Omar is an anti-Semite. I've never liked her. I never thought she should have been a congresswoman. She doesn't seem like she's very intelligent, and she's an anti-Semite. I think it's pretty obvious that she hates Jewish people, and that's unfortunate. Um, and Talib is not the brightest bulb in the world either. They're not good for Democrats. They're not good for the country. Listen, there's a lot of Republicans I don't like as well. You hear it on this show all the time. But uh, I got to tell you, this Pramila uh, Jayapal, Really screwed up big time, and she said some really stupid things about Israel. Um, so I want to comment on it, but before I comment on it, I want to play the audio for you. And it, it involves her, of course, uh, saying that the state of Israel uh, is racist. Uh, so I'm going to play the audio for you first, and then we're going to talk about it. Here it is. I want you to know that we have been fighting to make it clear that Israel is a racist state, that the Palestinian people deserve self-determination and autonomy all right so completely ridiculous comments and, and i'm going to start by saying this i never liked jayapal i don't like her i never have i believe the members of the squad for whatever reason they are so anti-israel and uh, there might be a little bit of anti-Semitism in there. I believe Ilhan Omar is an anti-Semite. I mean, I've said that before, and I'll say it again. The difference is, at least, even if it's not heartfelt, she does apologize. And Democrats came forward, if you remember when Ilhan Omar said all about the Benjamins when talking about Israel, which is a Jewish trope, right? And 
just about all the Democrats went after her and said she was wrong and she should apologize. Eventually, she did apologize. I've talked about that before. You know, that's the difference between Republicans and Democrats today. I put up a video on social media earlier. If you noticed, just about every Democrat has spoken out against uh, Jayapal's comments. They forced her to apologize. She did, even though it was sort of a half-hearted apology. And, you know, it's unfortunate because... Like I said, Jayapal, to me, should not be in office. When you make a statement like that, it's either one of two things. When you say Israel is racist and make a generic, idiotic statement like that, either you horribly misspoke. I don't know how you misspeak like that, but even maybe you horribly or maybe that's just how you feel. Now, she walked back to her statements a little bit and she did apologize. She did say she was sorry. But here's one thing I do appreciate about all this. All, just about all the Democrats in the last 48 hours have denounced what she said. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries and Catherine Clark and Pete Aguilar and Ted Lieu put out a joint statement. What did they say? Quote, Israel is not a racist state, they said. And they went out to denounce Jayapal's statements. And my point is very simple. It's like this. And listen, Jayapal, in my personal opinion, is a moron. And perhaps anti-Semitic. I don't know what's in her heart, but it certainly appears that way to me. And I don't like the squad. I don't like Ilhan Omar. I think Talib is, is, is not very bright. Okay. I don't like these Democrats. They're bad for the country. They're anti-Israel. And sometimes I'll even go as far as to say anti-American with some of their statements. I appreciate the fact that Ocasio-Cortez worked hard in college bartending, whatever she did. She worked hard. She paid her way through school. And I respect her for that. That's more than you can say for a lot of Republicans like the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world. But I don't agree with the Green Deal. And I think they are extreme lefties. And, you know, I'm not for these types of people. I'm certainly not for a representative going up there and saying Israel is racist because that's absurd. And my point is very simple. When Marjorie Taylor Greene compares Nazi Germany to telling people to wear masks in the United States of America, where is the GOP? Why do they not all call her out for her statements? Where are they? When George Santos lies about everything on his resume, and I mean everything, lying about being Jewish, Why is it that Speaker Kevin McCarthy won't out him? Why is that? Why is it that in a way he defends him? But now Kevin McCarthy this morning and yesterday says, oh, the Democrats need to punish Jayapal. Now, I wouldn't have a problem if the Democrats punish Jayapal. But where is Kevin McCarthy when his own Republicans do wrong? Where is Kevin McCarthy when Marjorie Taylor Greene compares the United States to Nazi Germany because a child has to put on a mask? Where where are they? When George Santos lies about literally everything to get elected, where's Kevin McCarthy? Where's the Republicans, except for maybe a Mitt Romney? Where's everybody else? Or Matt Gaetz and his despicable behavior? Why is it that it's only a Democrat when a Democrat says something stupid or terrible that Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans want them to be punished? But then when it's a Republican that does something, it's either complete silence, they don't want to talk about it, they want to avoid the issue. That is the definition of hypocrisy. I appreciate the fact that all the Democrats, just about all of them, 
have spoken out against Jayapal's comments. And here's something to the effect of Jayapal actually apologized. Again, I don't know if it was a heartfelt apology, but she did apologize because Democrats pressured her to do so. And the Democrats came forward and they did it with Ilhan Omar when she said all about the Benjamins and she made anti-Semitic Jewish tropes about the Jewish people. She apologized because the Democrats put it to her. This is the state of Republicans and Democrats today. You can lie about your resume. You can lie about everything to be elected. And and apparently, as long as they're a Republican, that's okay. The second a Democrat says something that is borderline racist or anti-Semitic, all the Democrats come out and denounce it, which is what they should do. And they did do that with their statement. And Jayapal apologized. Whether she meant it or not, she knew she was wrong. She apologized. And the Democrats knew she was wrong and they spoke out against it, not because they were in fear of losing power, because it was the right thing to do. And when you call Dr. Fauci a Nazi or Lauren Boebert uh, says that she would have been afraid in an elevator with Ilhan Omar if she had a backpack on her, which is a trope towards those people saying that every person from that descent must be a terrorist. It was a horrible thing to say. Where were all the Republicans? Where were all the Republicans denouncing it? Where were they? And no, I am not blaming Republicans for what a Democrat said. If you're smart enough to follow me, you'll understand what I'm saying. It was a Democrat that made the statement that Israel's racist. She was wrong. The point I'm trying to make is not only did she apologize within two days, but just about every Democrat denounced what she said. What I am blaming Republicans for is not for what she said. I'm blaming Republicans for being hypocrites because when somebody in their party says something that is racist or beyond the pale, Republicans stay silent. They don't force their members in office to apologize and they don't do anything. That is the point I am trying to make. I'm not blaming Republicans for what Jayapal said. It's her fault. She's the one who did it. She's wrong. It's terrible. She should be punished for making that statement because it's absolutely ridiculous. I am praising the Democrats for all calling her out. They're calling her out for it. They've done it over the last two days. We have statements from everybody on the record on the left. Everybody that has denounced her statement. My point is it doesn't happen on the right. When Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, calls people Nazis in this country or makes pro-Putin comments, for example, or Matt Gates makes absurd statements about the Democrats, where are the Republicans? Why don't they out these people? Why don't they call them out and force them to apologize? That's the point I'm trying to make. It doesn't happen in this country. It's the fine difference between Republicans and Democrats. Republicans bow down to Donald Trump, who, by the way, is going to be facing more indictments, not just the Espionage Act, but now the Insurrection Act. But yet so many of these Republicans are silent. And if you listen to Kevin McCarthy today, he blames Joe Biden for Jack Smith. He says it's the Biden DOJ when it's yet Trump appointed people that are now indicting this guy that are going after Donald Trump. Trump-appointed people, Republicans, but yet somehow Kevin McCarthy, instead of putting the blame on Donald Trump and his own behavior, somehow wants to blame Joe Biden for January 6th, wants to blame Joe Biden for all the classified documents and defying a subpoena with what Donald Trump did. Somehow that's Joe Biden's fault. Or having sex without a condom with a porn star, 
months after your wife, Melania, has a child and breaking campaign finance violations. Somehow that's Joe Biden's fault. At what point are Republicans finally going to say, you know what, enough is enough. We had Amy Tarkanian in studio yesterday, the former chair in the state of Nevada for the Republican Party. She voted for Donald Trump twice, and she said after January 6th, that was it for me. What is going to be the final piece to the puzzle here where Republicans, some that are MAGA supporters, are finally going to say, you know what, enough is enough. Maybe we shouldn't support this guy anymore. What will it take? And you want to blame Joe Biden for all of Donald Trump's legal troubles? It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's absurd. And if there are people out there that disagree with me or agree, but if you disagree, I'm happy to take your phone calls now. I'm happy to get into a conversation with you if you disagree with me. I take all different opinions on this show. That's the difference today between Democrats and Republicans. A Democrat who is absolutely foolish, maybe anti-Semitic, makes a stupid statement about Israel, and all the Democrats say she's wrong. All the Democrats call her out, and she apologizes. If Marjorie Taylor Greene calls a doctor a Nazi, which, by the way, she has done, the Republicans remain silent. They don't say anything. They don't call her out. Maybe there's a few Republicans that do, but the overwhelming majority of Republicans don't call out the BS and the nonsense and the bigotry. Democrats call it out immediately, even if it's one of their own. In this case, Jayapal. They called her out. Imagine if a Democrat incited an insurrection. Imagine if a Democrat had sex with a porn star and then paid her to shut up about it a week before the election and probably broke campaign finance violation. Imagine if a Democrat defied a subpoena and had all these highly classified documents that he was showing to people without security clearances. You think the Democrats would all remain silent or they'd say, you know what? We don't want this guy representing our party. That's what the Democrats would do. Most of them, but the Republicans still hide behind Donald Trump. If somebody in their party says something despicable, despicable, what do they do? They remain silent and they say, well, the Democrats are just trying to play politics. I'm going to give out the number for you if you agree or disagree. The number to call, 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the program, I'm taking some calls now. And that number is 702-221-7283. 702-221-7283. And again, I go back to what I was uh, saying earlier. I'm not defending Jayapal. I'm not defending the squad. I'm not defending any of these people. What she said was wrong. Ilhan Omar has made some racist statements in the past. I've called her out for that. I wish she wasn't a congresswoman. I really do. And if the Democrats want to hold Jayapal to the fire, for lack of a better term, and punish her, then I have absolutely no problem with that. But the Republicans don't hold anybody to account. Look at the leader of their party. Facing all these indictments and now going to be facing more indictments, more for inciting an insurrection. We all know what took place on January 6th. And, you know, when I woke up today and I I was reading all the quotes from all the Democrats out there that were calling out Jayapal's comments, they were ignorant. They were stupid. They were wrong. And when you have a platform, you can't make statements like that. Maybe she's an anti-Semite. 
Maybe she's not. I don't know. I don't know what's in her heart. I know what she said was very stupid. Even at a minimum, if we take her for her word and give her the benefit of the doubt that she misspoke, you have a huge platform. You're speaking in front of a lot of people. You can't say things like that, that uh, Israel as a whole, they're racist. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You can't say that's like saying all white people are racist or all black people are racist. That's it's idiotic, right? Are there some people that are racist in this country? Absolutely. Is it possible that there are some people in Israel that are racist? Absolutely. As a whole, Israel wants to exist. Israel is not racist. They don't want terrorists coming into their country and blowing people up. They don't want terrorists coming into their country and killing innocent people. And they defend themselves and they defend their land. That doesn't mean they're racist. I went to Israel once. There were all sorts of different people in that country. I didn't sense that at all. They don't want innocent people dying in their country, and they don't want terrorists coming in their country, taking their land and killing innocent people. That's not racist. That's not racist at all. And people that think that Israel is racist are bigots. It's very simple. You have anti-Semitism in your blood. I don't know what else to tell you. To say that an entire country is racist is absurd. It is absurd. As much as I, you know, speak out against Vladimir Putin. Would I say that everybody in Russia is bad? Of course not. As much as I speak out against Kim Jong-un, would I say everybody in North Korea is a terrorist? Of course I would never say something like that because it's not true. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, you know, there are people out there. It's interesting because there's people out there that are saying, this guy is paid by the Democratic Party. And here I am calling out Jayapal, who happens to be a Democrat. So obviously people who make statements like that have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. These are my own opinions and these are my own thoughts. But God forbid, if I don't kiss the ring of Donald Trump and kiss the ring of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates, I must be getting paid by George Soros. No, I am a registered independent and I call it as I see it. And I know some people aren't used to that because they listen to their right wing echo chamber TV and radio. You watch your Fox News, your OAN, your Newsmax, you know, people like that. God forbid they say something that you might not agree with or somebody that doesn't drink the Kool-Aid that you're drinking on the right. God forbid I must be getting paid by the DNC. When I didn't even vote for Barack Obama, I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. I've been a registered independent my whole life. But God forbid I call it as I see it and I call a wrong a wrong and a right a right. What she said was wrong. Israel is not racist state. That's not true. It's irresponsible rhetoric and it's borderline anti-Semitism and it's wrong. And there's no place for that in either party, the Democrat Party or the Republican Party. There is no place for it. And guess what? Nobody's paying for me to say that. Those are my views. That's how I feel. That's me. That's how I feel. And it's absurd. And she should be ashamed of herself. And I am so glad that the Democrats out there have spoken out against her. I am so glad. Because that's what reasonable, decent people do. And that's how I vote. I vote for reasonable, decent people. Donald Trump is not a reasonable, decent person. He is a bad guy. He is a bad guy. And now, coming up later on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about JFK Jr., speaking of racism and bigotry and absurd statements, what he said about COVID, absurd. And for the people out there, again, that 
like to joy in misinformation. There are people on social media. Hakeem Jeffries didn't call her out. Yes, he did. You have no idea what you're talking about. A joint statement. Do you understand what a joint statement is? Hakeem Jeffries, Catherine Clark, and Pete Aguilar all put out a joint statement that represents their views and said Israel is not a racist state. And they called out Jayapal. So you have no idea what you're talking about. Show me the last time a joint statement was put out by Republicans denouncing Marjorie Taylor Greene and her racist rants. When was the last time McCarthy and some other top Republicans put out a joint statement outing out one of their own like George Santos or Matt Gates or Tuberville? Have they put out any joint statements about any of their comments? No, of course not. That is the fundamental difference between Democrats and Republicans today. If a Democrat says something that is despicable, the Democrats are lining up to call them out, even if it's one of their own, because that's what a decent human being would do. But if a Republican does it, where are the joint statements? You might have one or two people, like, for example, a Mitt Romney, right? or a Liz Cheney, and then if they decide to call out somebody, the entire Republican Party wants to out them. That's how the Republican Party works today. If somebody within the Republican Party calls out nonsense, bigotry, racism, homophobia, if somebody, God forbid, wants to hold Donald Trump to account, the entire Republican Party will try to out them. That's not how the Democratic Party works. Remember Anthony Weiner? Remember that scandal? I don't think there was a Democrat that didn't call him out for the despicable behavior that he did. The Democrats call out people that say and do terrible things. They have a history of doing that. They did it with Ilhan Omar, with her anti-Semitic remarks. Rightfully so. She apologized. And they've done it with Jayapal, with her anti-Semitic remarks. She apologized. When was the last time we saw a prominent Republican say, you know, gosh, I'm really sorry. I apologize. Did Tuberville do that? He might have walked back his statements a little bit, but he never said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for defending white nationalism. He never did that. We never got a joint statement from Kevin McCarthy and all the top Republicans because they're cowards. That's why. So we're going to take a break, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some phone calls on the other side. I know we have some people on hold. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Again, if you want to be a part of the conversation, that number, 702-221-7283. I challenge you. You think I'm being paid by the DNC? Tell me what I've said on this show that you disagree with. Tell me what I've said on this show that you think is wrong. Tell me what what I said on this show that you think would make me brainwashed. Happy to hear it. Happy to give you the platform if you disagree or agree. Again, that number to call if you want to be a part of the show is 702-221-7283. Again, that number, 702-221-7283 is the number to call. I'm opening up the phone lines now, and uh, we will take a break and be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on 107.1 FM, 1400 AM, KSHP. Everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east 
of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Sapphire Pool and Day Club, the world's only topless gentleman's day club, introduces its 2023 pool season lineup with a bevy of beauties and social media celebrities throughout the summer who will all host alongside hundreds of Sapphire's topless poolside entertainers. Enjoy brunch in the sun with items like frittata-style omelets, stripping chicken, and French kiss toast before washing it down with signature summertime cocktails. Ten lines, beware, go bear! Ladies are welcome to go topless within the day club for the ultimate party. Guests can purchase affordable day bed packages, cabana packages, lounge chairs, and more. The best part, though? Pushing the Limits will be broadcasting shows every other Friday throughout the pool season with a ton of surprise celebrity guests. Wow! Reserve your spot now. For more info, visit sapphirepoollv.com or call 702-869-0003. That's 702-869-0003. See you at Sapphire. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. 
also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. The phone number to call in if you want to be a part of the show is 702-221-7283. I want to tell you guys about my good friend Blake Gwynn, his uh, grandfather, the former governor of the great state of Nevada. He works for Keller Williams. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home, there's no better person to talk to. He helped my family get a place out here where they're moving here in two weeks, and I promise he will help you. He's born and raised here in Las Vegas. Give them a call, 702-540-3311. Again, that number, 702-540-3311. Some interesting uh, comments on social media, to say the least. We've been talking a little bit about Jayapala and uh, Jayapal and her comments. The state of Israel is racist, she says. Uh, Obviously, it's absurd. Basically, all the Democrats have called her out. And I say, why don't we see the same thing on the other side? When somebody makes a racist trope, uh, whether it be uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert. Why is it that we don't get joint statements from the Republicans outing those people? But seems like the Democrats seem to call it out, whether it be Ilhan Omar or anybody. We're taking your calls at 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the conversation, 702-221-7283. Let's start off with Charlie. Charlie, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, guy? What's up, Charlie? What's on your mind, my friend? Oh, man, uh, I agree with a lot of things you say. Mm-hmm. I think you uh, make some good points, especially about the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm no preference, so yeah, not to talk bad about either party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I think the Democrats do uh, have that, like, I guess that nature of the animal to call anybody out any right. given time. Right. But, you know, um, I'm a truth seeker myself. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see that. But I also see Democrats doing a lot of things that's questionable. So, Charlie, I I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think you understand the point that I'm making, which is this. When a Democrat says something could be racist, could be anti-Semitic, I see the overwhelming majority of leadership in the Democrat Party calling them out. And it happened the other day with Jayapal, right? Calling them out for a stupid statement that is anti-Semitic. And then when I see people on the other side, like the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, I don't see leadership within the Republican Party putting out joint statements and calling them out. I think that's the difference right now between uh, the overwhelming between Republicans and Democrats in the party. I agree with that, too. Yeah. But I also see a lot of Democrats and Republicans uh, when the other, I guess, you know, because you start talking about uh, statistics. Yeah. And you got to break it down in ratio. Uh, when you break that down, you see that there's probably a lot more of both parties just turning the other cheek, don't say much or anything. They'll stand either on the status quo or not. They'll just... Uh, not even say anything well, at all. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. And, and here's why. When you think of Black Lives Matter, right, and you think of social justice and, and gay pride month, it's always the Democrats that are overwhelmingly supportive. And it's always the Republicans that are denouncing gay pride month. It's always the Republicans that are denouncing 
uh, Black Lives Matter. They still do it today. If you bring up the January 6th insurrection, by the way, those are all Republicans, not Democrats. What do they do? They bring up Black Lives Matter and they want to talk about, you know, all the damage that was done during Black Lives Matter. One has absolutely nothing to do with the other. And I've never heard a Democrat that endorsed violence at a Black Lives Matter rally uh, saying, uh, you, know, you know, and that's that, I Good guess point. that's that's what I try to say. I've never heard a Democrat say, boy, I'm so glad they tore down that building. Boy, I'm so glad that officer was injured. No, they won't do that. But then when you talk about January 6th and you talk about police officers that were injured, you never hear top leadership in the Republican Party holding Donald Trump to account. And I guess that that's my point. Well, I don't want to interrupt you because it's your show, but yeah. you got good points. But, you know, when you start talking, uh, if you look at history, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm a historian, but if you look at history, uh, most parties were put on the gun. So, I mean, you know, like when you talk about Black Lives Matter, when you talk about the, uh, the gay liberation movement, Mm-hmm. Those are really not parties. I understand that. I'm not saying I, I agree with you. I'm not saying that they are parties. What I am saying is that the mm-hmm. group that the party that seems to denounce gay pride month, the party that seems to denounce transgenders, the party that mm-hmm. seems to be talking about gender ideology and how Black Lives Matter was the worst thing in the world. It's not Democrats. They're supporting all these movements. It's the Republicans because the Republicans. And again, I'm making a generic statement here. There are a lot of Republicans in office right now that don't want to see people that don't look like them coming into this country. They don't want to see this country change for the better, in my personal opinion. And that's to me, that's listen, the Democrats are not perfect. I don't want Joe Biden to run again in 2024. I've been I've been calling out the the squad for years now. I don't like them. But when you look at the more uh, the rhetoric that comes out, and let's be honest, the leader of the Republican Party is still Donald Trump. He's facing indictments after indictments. Now he's not only the Espionage Act, but coming up January 6th Insurrection Act that he's going to be charged with. I mean, I don't see any leaders of the Democratic Party that are inciting insurrections. Do you? Well, I, I, uh, I grew up a, I grew up a Democrat. And I, when I moved to Nevada, and I've been in Nevada a little bit, I changed my party preference. And and so when you say the uh, Democrats, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying, but also disagree about the Republicans, too, because a lot of the times the things that they have on Mr. Donald Trump, uh, some of them are witch hunt items. Okay, like what? Uh, like so what? Tell me. In my opinion? Sure. Like, they're... Like everything that he they say he does, like what? And just my opinion. Okay, so tell me opinion. which which, but no. you got to be specific because I can't. Well, let me, I still got to get to the dialogue. Okay. Part. I okay. Think what I'm saying to you is, in my opinion, anything that he said, even if he did it or not did, it, I mean, because I'm not a judge. What I'm saying is that the things that they accuse him of, they usually boost it. They like okay. it's always so let's go through. Okay, so let's talk about that. Than you, what you, it really was. You use the term witch hunt. Um, the yeah. classified documents, he defied a subpoena. If it's a witch hunt, then why didn't he comply with a subpoena? That's number one. Number well, two. The, the Democrats turned around and did the same thing, too. The, uh, with, who, uh, name, me a de- name me a Democrat that defied a subpoena when it came to classified uh, documents. No, he didn't. Uh, sir, with all due respect, y- y- you don't know what you're talking about. Joe Biden did well, not I, defy a subpoena. The documents, and the I'm talking, and that's what I'm talking about. That's Joe what Biden I'm talking about. and Joe Biden told his attorneys, and his, his attorneys complied with the FBI. If you're going to make a statement like that, you oh, have. Oh no, I think that I think I think the Democrats got the. Uh, I think they got the you know better 
you know, deal on that one. Okay, but, but you just – but that's they, a fun – Both parties but, do things. Okay, but, both but, parties do okay, things. Okay, then you have to be specific. You just said Joe Biden and – and, and I think that they kind of a little bit more harder on the Trump – on Trumper. Okay, but you haven't given me any examples. All you've said is Joe Biden defied a subpoena. I told you that's not true. They complied. That's okay, well, I, I, I'm sorry. Like I said, I'm not going to get in for tick to tack. I'm not asking for tick. I'm not asking for tick for tack. I'm just giving. I'm asking you for one example. There's so many things. Then give me one. Have, we can have a part. We can have part two. Of this. I, I don't need I mean, part right. two. I, I need one minute. Uh, okay. Give me well. one minute. Give me an example of a situation where a Democrat did wrong. To, in today's day and age, where you don't believe justice was served and there wasn't accountability, I'm happy to hear you. I just want to hear one example. Um, the whole thing with, I mean, Carmilla Harris, in my opinion, um, the, a lot of the things that they stand up for and then they drop the ball for. And what do you mean? What do you mean? They, if you stand up for and you drop the ball, then that's a policy disagreement. That's not breaking the law. Yeah. We're talking oh, about. I'm not, we're talking I'm not about, saying that. I'm not saying that Donald Trump hasn't broken the law. I'm not saying that uh, Biden has broken the law. But you're making I'm not, comparisons. I'm not able. Well, let me finish. I'm not able to. I'm not a judge, and I'm, I'm definitely not under oath to make those. Type I didn't of say you were a judge. I'm just asking for an example. Or you are either. Actually. No, but I know facts, and the fact is that Joe Biden didn't defy a subpoena, and Donald Trump did when it came to classified documents. I'm surprised you don't know that. That's and, a, and also Trump, and also Trump had all those people storm the Capitol too, right? He did that too. Well, if let me ask you a question then to answer your. Oh, own question. okay, but that's a, that's that point right there. Yes, yes, they he did. Let me ask. Yes, he that. did, and let me ask you a question okay. to prove oh, that. Oh, so you said that's your opinion? Okay, right? let me ask it's you like a question. Let me, can I ask you a question now? If Donald Trump for months, sure. bef- if Donald Trump for months before January sixth didn't say that Joe Biden cheated and the Democrats cheated and the election was stolen, which by the way it wasn't, does January sixth happen? Yes or no? It's a yes or no answer. No, probably not. Okay, thank you. I appreciate the call, sir, and thank you for proving my point. You see how easy that was? I appreciate you for calling in, and I appreciate you for answering that question honestly. If Donald Trump didn't lie and say the election was stolen, January 6th doesn't happen. Hence, the insurrection. Why is that so hard for people to understand? I don't get it. Number to call, 702. Thank you for the call, sir. 702-221-7283. And again, the number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation, 702-221-7283. By the way, that guy's name, I believe, was Trumper? No, I don't know. I don't know. What was that? During the call, he called him the Trumper. Oh, the Trumper. Oh, he okay. called him the Trumper. The Trumper. Well, I've called him worse than that, so I that's, that's okay. I, I just thought it was funny that he was I calling guess, him the I, Trumper. I guess that's fair. I want to play you some audio now. And by the way, people are welcome to call in 702-221-7283, the number to call. That was an interesting phone call, but I'm always you know ready for a debate with anybody. Uh, a lot of uh, Republicans out there, they're on the far right, like Steve Bannon and Charlie Kirk. They're saying some nice things about uh, you know RFK Jr. And... They're saying a lot of nice things about him because I believe he's bad for the Democrats. Well, a new video has surfaced, ladies and gentlemen. And in this video, uh, Mr. Jr., as I will call him, says that COVID-19 was ethnically targeted to spare Chinese and Jewish people. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. Have a listen to this audio and then we'll discuss after. Um, COVID-19 is targeted to attack uh, Caucasians and uh, and uh, and uh, black people. 
the people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and, uh, and Chinese. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. First of all, I speak from just a little bit of experience. I'm Jewish. I almost died of COVID. I was almost put on a ventilator. I was in the ICU for two weeks. So his statement that COVID-19 was going after just white people and they were sparing Chinese and Jewish people is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. I know people that are Jewish that died of COVID. I know people that are Chinese that died of COVID. He has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. And when you make a statement like that, it's harmful because it's medical misinformation. Members of his own family, including Kerry Kennedy, has come out and said, listen, I don't support my brother. I don't support the nonsense that he put out there. It doesn't represent this family. And a lot of other family members have come out and they've said the same thing. So I ask all of you, why is it that people like Steve Bannon, why is it that people like Charlie Kirk and those that are on the extreme right, why is it that they support Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Why is that? Well, I'll give you the answer. They support this man because they know he's bad for Democrats and he's good for Republicans because he is a conspiracy theorist with zero medical misinformation who has no idea what he is talking about. Do you think Steve Bannon would ever support a Democrat that is good for Democrats? Of course not. Do you think Charlie Kirk would ever support a Democrat that is good for the Democratic Party or even good for the country? Of course not. Folks, this isn't hard to understand. This isn't hard to get. The reason why people don't take RFK Jr. seriously is because he shouldn't be taken seriously. When you make a statement that COVID-19 ethically targeted white people and spared Chinese people and Jewish people, then how could anybody take anybody like that seriously? How? It's absurd. It's racist. It's dangerous. And it's wrong. And there are people that I know that support Robert F. Kennedy Jr. There are Republicans that I know that support Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Here's what I say. I say F. Kennedy Jr. That's what I say. He's dangerous for the country. He's an anti-vaccinated anti-vaccine conspiracy theorist. He's no better than Alex Jones, and he also has a platform, sadly, and he's very dangerous for the country. And I'm going to ask Anthony Scaramucci coming up in hour number two about that. I'm going to ask him about Donald Trump looking like he's going to be indicted very soon for the January breaking, uh, you know, the Insurrection Act, along with the Espionage Act, but there are more indictments coming. And listen, there are people that are putting conspiracy theories together where they're going to cop some sort of plea deal with Donald Trump so that he doesn't run. The, 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 the two don't run hand in hand. They have nothing to do with the other. And these people are very dangerous for this country. A guy like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is very dangerous for this country. A guy like Alex Jones is very dangerous for this country. And it's, it's pretty simple. If you're an Alex Jones person and you support Alex Jones, you're probably going to support Robert F. Kennedy Jr. School shooting in Connecticut didn't happen. Imagine the parents that the the pain never goes away, having to bury your six-year-old or seven-year-old child who was massacred in school. And imagine having conspiracy theorists coming up to you that are Alex Jones fans saying that 
your child is still alive, that it was a hoax. Imagine having to go through something like that. There's no money that can make somebody feel better about that. That pain never goes away. Never. And I'm glad that Alex Jones has been held to account, financially anyway. RFK Jr. is doing the exact same thing. See, because when you, when you make statements like COVID-19 was targeting certain races or religions, that can incite violence. Now, I don't know everything about COVID. I don't know the people that were involved, but I have an idea or an opinion based on evidence that it was probably generated, accidental or not, probably in a Wuhan lab. But I can tell you this with certainty, whether it was accidental or not, they were not going after a certain race or gender. The entire world had to deal with COVID. It didn't matter what the color of your skin is. It didn't matter where you are from. And it didn't matter what your religion was. The entire world, the globe had to deal with COVID. People died all over the world, all sorts of different people. And I'm not saying anything that isn't, you know, known. I'm just speaking from a logical perspective that has nothing to do with politics. COVID affected all of us in different ways. It didn't matter what the color of your skin was or what your religion was. A lot of people died. It was horrible. Certainly the world wasn't prepared for this. The United States wasn't prepared for this. There were a lot of people that were not prepared for this. There are a lot of heroes in COVID, a lot of doctors and nurses that will tell you they treated all sorts of people from all sorts of different backgrounds. And when Robert F. Kennedy Jr. uses his platform to say that COVID-19 targeted certain races or religions, it's absurd and it's dangerous because not only is it medical misinformation, but it can get people angry and there are a lot of crazy people out there and it can incite violence. Again, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I don't claim to know everything, but here's what I do know. People like Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s of the world are dangerous to this country. They're very dangerous, just like Tucker Carlson is very dangerous when he says the idea of white supremacy is a hoax and he, you know, spews his Russia pro-propaganda. That's dangerous to the country. People like Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, dangerous to the country. It spreads hatred and bigotry, the attacks on transgenders, the attacks on people who are gay, the attacks on minorities, the attacks on immigrants documented or undocumented the attacks the last five or six years are absurd they're terrible and that's why or at least a part of the reason why a white supremacist goes into a walmart and kills a bunch of innocent brown people it was in the manifest manifesto in texas el paso in the walmart shooting and donald trump was named in the manifesto when you spew hatred and you say things that are not true like for example quote in talking about Mexicans, Donald Trump, these people, they're rapists and they're bad people, but I suppose some of them are good people. That is inciting violence when you make statements like that. And people that are already crazy, that are mentally ill, will use that sort of statement and commit heinous crimes. That is why when you have a platform, even if you don't have a big platform, but if you have a big platform like the former or current president of the United States, or if you're a politician, your words matter. The things you say matter. When you say, I won the election in a landslide and the Democrats cheated, things like January 6th happened. People died that day. 
People died that day. Innocent people died that day. Some people that shouldn't have been there died that day. Some officers that were there, family members said they never were the same and they committed suicide because of that day. You know, a couple hundred officers had to go to the hospital that were injured, that were beaten, some with their own batons. And why? Because we had one man who said he won the election in a landslide and Joe Biden cheated and, and, and the election was a fraud. So these people thought they could storm the Capitol and overturn the outcome of a free and fair election. That's what happened that day. And that's why Jack Smith, right around the corner, more indictments are coming for breaking the Insurrection Act. And I'm telling you right now, Donald Trump is going to go down as the one of the most corrupt politicians, if not the most corrupt, treasonous president in the history of this country. Mark my words, that is going to happen. That is going to happen. And if you don't think what I'm saying is true, because that's what people do on social media. Oh, you're a liberal. What you're saying is not true. You're lying. And then when I give people an opportunity to actually debate me on the air, they cowardly do not because they're not capable. And I give out the number and there are a lot of Democrats that call in, I'm sure, that would probably agree with some of the stuff that I'm saying. They might disagree with some of the stuff that I'm saying. But in this day and age, there's a lot of MAGA supporters out there and Republicans that are not capable of having an intellectual conversation of disagreement. I had Amy Tarkanian in studio yesterday, Republican her whole life. We had a nice civil conversation, didn't agree on everything. And there are some Republicans out there that I have a lot of respect for. Doesn't mean I'm going to agree with them on everything, but they're capable of having a debate or a discussion. And then there are some people on social media that say, oh, you're being paid by the DNC. You're being paid by George Soros. You see, those people aren't capable of having an intellectual conversation. They can't give any examples of where I'm wrong. I'm happy to have that debate with you. I'm happy to have that conversation with you. Heck, maybe I said something that's not true. It's possible, but I think most of my opinions are based on facts, not fiction. The earth is not flat, and Donald Trump did not win the 2020 election. And then you have Rona or Rona McDaniels, one of the spokespeople for the entire Republican Party, still saying that she can't say that Joe Biden won a free and fair election. You can disagree with Joe Biden and you can disagree with his administration and you can disagree with policies all you want to. Fine, let's have those debates. I would make the argument that most Republicans don't have any solutions to any of the problems facing this country. Saying more guns are the answer are not going to make us safer. Saying let's deport all illegals are not going to make us any safer. I haven't heard any solutions, just bickering and complaining about Democrats and Joe Biden, bitching and moaning about Obamacare, yet there is no replacement plan. That is the MO of Republicans, at least for the last decade, as far as I'm concerned, complain about Democrats like Jim Jordan, complain about Democrats, yet a guy like Jim Jordan has never passed anything, hasn't passed one bill, hasn't done anything. Gymnasium Jordan. He is, he is one of the main faces of the Republican Party today. Gymnasium Jordan. But yet you people out there have no problem on the right, right? Jayapala said Israel was racist. Okay, she was very wrong. And Republicans like McCarthy and all you Republicans out there want to call her the anti-Semite and you want her to be punished and outed. But when it's one of your own, what do you do? I'll tell you what you do. Nothing. Silence. The silence is deafening. When it's one of your own, you don't want to talk about it. But if it's a Democrat, let's talk about it. I see it on social media all the time. If there's a Democrat that, you know, did something absolutely terrible, 
they call them out. But if it's one of their own, if it's a Republican, they say nothing. That is the whole point of what I am trying to say. The whole point of what I'm trying to say. And it's evident and it's clear. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here in the next couple days. Donald Trump is going to be arrested and indicted again. It's going to be for breaking the Insurrection Act, which is very, very serious. You could argue just as serious as the Espionage Act. It's very, very serious. And he's going to get arrested. And then the, uh, the MAGAs out there are still going to support him. And they're going to claim this is making Donald Trump stronger. Nothing could be more clearer than what Donald Trump did in inciting January 6th. You couldn't be more clear. Just like you can't say there's a fire in a crowded theater. He lied about the 2020 election. And he knew he lied, according to people that testified under oath. I know that Jared Kushner said that, oh, no, he believed he won the election. But there are people within the administration that disagree, that heard Donald Trump say, I can't let them believe that I lost. And he went up there on that stage. And for months before the election, he went up there on that stage. On those stages across the country, the Democrats cheated. Joe Biden uh, lost the election. Joe Biden's a cheater. And he knew he was lying. His ego got in the way once again, and he couldn't allow people to know that he lost. Because that's what happened. Donald Trump lost the 2020 election. And if you don't believe me, I ask you this very simple question, and maybe you can answer it for me. Before the 2016 election, before Donald Trump defeated Hillary Clinton, for months before, he did the same thing. He said elections are rigged and the Democrats are going to rig the election. Then Donald Trump won. So I guess the election was fair when he won because all those comments for the next three years about rigged elections all went away. Why is that? Maybe could it be Donald Trump was trying to prepare people in case he lost to prove that the Democrats cheated. But then when he won, everything was hunky dandy. Isn't that interesting? When Republicans win an election, it had to be free and fair. But if they lose an election, the Democrats had to cheat. Doesn't that say it all? If you're a logical person with an IQ over 20, you understand what I'm saying. He said the election was rigged before 2016. He won. And then for the next three years, all those comments deceased. Why is that? Again, anybody that has a reasonable brain would understand he did the same thing in 2016 as he did in 2020. The big difference, Donald Trump lost in 2020. But the Democrats must have cheated. But I guess everything worked perfectly, right, in 2016. And for those of you that say Hillary Clinton is an election denier, you're a liar because Hillary Clinton conceded. Hillary Clinton conceded. And now we're sitting at a point where Trump will be indicted again. It's going to happen again. Jack Smith is, is gearing up and all reports are proving that it could even happen this week. We already know he's facing very serious charges and possibly breaking the Espionage Act. And now we're looking at the Insurrection Act. These are very serious charges. So I don't want to hear the Biden family, the Biden crime family. Oh, really? Uh, what did Joe Biden do? Hunter Biden did drugs. Yes, he liked his hookers. Guess what? Hunter Biden's never been a politician before. What did Joe Biden do? Republicans have had five years to investigate the Biden family, and they've come up with literally nothing. Their all-star whistleblower turns out to be a Chinese spy running from the law. 
they've had five years. So if you're going to talk about the Biden crime family, you actually have to come up with actual real evidence. And there's no evidence that Joe Biden committed any crimes. We know that Hunter Biden has been investigated for tax fraud. We know that that case is concluded. And we also know that Hunter Biden's never been a politician before. We're actually talking about people that are actually in office. And if you're going to say that it's Biden's DOJ, you have, again, no idea what you're talking about because these people, many of them that have uh, gone after Donald Trump are Trump appointees. So you have no idea what you're talking about. Republican judges and Trump appointees. So this isn't Joe Biden's DOJ and he has nothing to do with Donald Trump's actual behavior and what he allegedly did, which seems to be pretty clear to me. It's inciting an insurrection, breaking the Espionage Act for starters. And there's more stuff coming. It doesn't end here. There's more stuff coming. And people don't want to hear the truth. So when they hear the truth, they say, oh, you must be a liberal or you must be being paid by the Democratic Party. That's their go to. No, sir, I'm being paid by logic. I'm being paid by having a a college education. I'm being paid by being an independent, logical thinker that calls out right and wrong. I understand some of you don't like to hear the truth, but the man who you support and the man who is your Messiah in the orange turd is a criminal. And there is a decent chance that he could go to jail. And I'm sorry you don't want to hear that. And I guarantee you that nobody from the DNC is paying me to say that. I'm sorry you don't like truth and I'm sorry you don't like logic. Many magas these days can't spell the word fact. Sorry about that if I'm offending you with facts. But that's what I do on this show and I do it every day. And Anthony Scaramucci will be joining us next hour to talk about this. But coming up next, we're going to switch topics. Is an NBA team coming to Vegas soon? Well, guess what? We got a guy who's been a big part of, of trying to get this thing going. Uh, we're going to talk to Jerome Williams, also known as Junkyard Dog. He played in the NBA for nine seasons for the Bulls, Raptors, Knicks, and Pistons. He lives here in Las Vegas. Spend some time out there in D.C. Talk a little summer league with him. And of course, talk about the possibility of bringing an NBA team right here to Vegas. Junkyard Dog coming up next. Anthony Scaramucci coming up later at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits. Thank you for so much for joining us on a Tuesday. By the way, quick programming note tomorrow, Lisa Latte Lublin is going to be joining us in studio. If you don't know who she is, uh, she's accused Bill Cosby of sexually, uh, I, guess, I guess you could use the term rape, uh, back 30, 35 years ago at the Hilton. She's now filed a civil suit. Legally, she's allowed to do that now because of new laws that have passed in the state of Nevada, a civil suit against Bill Cosby. She's going to be joining us in studio with her husband tomorrow on the show. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But, you know, I love having this guy on because not only was he uh, one of the hardest workers in the NBA, it's why they called him Junkyard Dog. He played for the Bulls, the Raptors, the Knicks, the Pistons from 96 to 05 and uh, calls Vegas his home. Uh, of course, I'm talking about uh, Jerome Williams joining us right now on the show. Junkyard Dog, Jerome Williams. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for joining <laughs> I love it. I love it. What's up, Jerome? How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right, Jerome. And uh, it was good to see you uh, last week. Uh, I guess before we get into some of the big NBA stories, I I don't know how much NBA Summer League you had an opportunity to watch, but isn't it incredible what the NBA Summer League has turned into here in Las Vegas? Oh, man, we were there when it when it first started. And uh, Warren and Albert were kind of running around asking me to drum up people to come to see, you know, NBA games. Could I bring kids out to the games? 
now, you know, you're walking in the arena, just sold out. And I text Albert and, and Warren and, you know, it takes them a few hours to get back to me. <laughs> whereas before they were calling and ringing my phone. Right. Off. <laughs> Isn't it incredible? Uh, Warren yeah. and Albert for all the hard work they put in yep. and, um, with their group of, of really putting together that summer league. It's really turned into something special where not only the, the basketball NBA community and the alumni come out for it, but people all over the world fly in from all you know parts of the country and, and, and abroad just to see NBA Summer League. So it's awesome. It really is great. Um, any standouts for you? I'm sure you have some opinions on Webb and Yama, even though he only played two games. Uh, I, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch him play in person. Uh, standouts for you and, and highlights for you for Summer League. Yeah, definitely the Thompson twins um, were, were standouts for me. They they really showed a flair for the game and an IQ for the game, mixed with athleticism and excitement. And I, I felt like that. Hey, that it looked good. You know, it really really made me you know sit back and say, okay, I got to watch Houston Rockets this year. I got to watch my Detroit Pistons. Um, and and that was because of those two twins. Yep. When Yana is you know Victor. It, you know, he didn't disappoint that second game. No. The first game, I think it was just a little overwhelming a little bit, as well as um, being his first game um, on NBA level soil. I think that, you know, kind of got to get the jitters out. But he showed up that second game and really showed what he has the potential to become, um, you know, with Coach Popovich. And now you got Tim Duncan and all these uh, alumni coming back to help support him and manage Ginobili and Tony Parker. So I think that's just going to be a wonderful situation for him. Agree. I, I don't think you could ask a better spot for him to be on uh, to get better and, and to make it in the league, which I think we all agree he will. What are your thoughts on uh, the midseason NBA tournament and the Final Four right here in Las Vegas? What are your thoughts on this tournament as a whole when you first heard about it? Well, I think it's great for Las Vegas, number one. Anytime you can get regular in-season games in Las Vegas, like we get the preseason games, but they don't count. So typically those are, you know, sometimes could be um, without stars depending on uh, when they weigh. But now with this new tournament, I think it uh, introduces uh, the regular NBA fan to current NBA action. I think that uh, Las Vegas is a perfect town for that. I think that uh, the tournament itself is going to be something new. I think we as NBA fans have to, you know, get acclimated to something different. Uh, I think it weighs in on, you know, the way the current NBA works with players and, and different scenarios of, of resting. I think it puts more of an onus on, Hey, you know, come in, come in at your best because, you know, the team that's at their best early on is going to have a benefit right. by winning this tournament. And I think that, you know, adds a little something to the, to the fire of the NBA. Agree. You know, I was joking with a friend of mine, Jerome, cause I'm like, okay, if you're the 10th, 11th, 12th guy on the bench, and you have a chance to make a half a million dollars. I'm not saying a half a million dollars isn't a lot of money for even somebody on a $50 million contract or whatever. But imagine how enthusiastic some of those guys are going to be on the end of the bench in that championship game having a chance to win a half a million dollars. That's still a lot of money. Hey, I mean, when you talk about you know your, your bonus salary when you make the NBA finals in the championship, it's around the same amount. So for... You know, to get that kind of money early in the season is like you said, it's like a dream come true for a lot of players, especially ones at the end of the bench. But not only that, you know, um, I can tell you right now, NBA wives and NBA, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, proteges and people that are around the NBA player, they want them to win that money, too. Yeah. So guess what? 
it means a lot to everybody, even if you're at the top of the food chain. I agree. I tend to agree. If you're just joining us, Junkyard Dog, Jerome Williams on the line. Jerome, we've talked a lot about, you know, bringing an NBA team to Vegas with you over the years. I talked to a lot of people. Jay Bloom, I don't know if you know him, billionaire. He was in studio a few weeks ago and he's trying to bring a team here. Uh, You're in talks with a lot of people and everybody gives me pretty much the same answer. It's going to happen. It's going to happen in a few years. It's going to happen. We're going to get an expansion team here. Uh, Seattle's going to get an expansion team. What are your thoughts on where we're at right now? Anything new you can tell us about this situation? Well, I think, you know, my thoughts are really centered around um, the venue. Um, There's always talk about NBA teams, but right now it it should be talked about, you know, who's coming with the best package for a venue for NBA basketball. And that goes through Adam Silver's office. I know there's been a number of different proposals out there, um, you know, and, and all of them look, look the part, but uh, I think that, you know, A, you have to look at a couple of little outlining factors. They want the next NBA franchises to have some sort of minority ownership, uh, some sort of minority, uh, you know, affiliation, whether that's locally, whether that's, um, you know, um, through charity. And that's what makes our Las Vegas uh, chapter of retired players association, NBA player association so important. Because, you know, anybody that's coming in with a team or a proposal for a team um, should also be talking to us um, in terms of what we could help with uh, to, to, you know, send that proposal over the top. Do you think Las Vegas needs a professional baseball team, let alone uh, the Oakland A's? Because there's a lot of basketball people that I've talked to that say, well, an expansion team would make more sense. And do we really want a team right there on the strip that doesn't spend any money? Let's be honest. The A's don't spend money. Whereas, you know, the Knights come in here, expansion team, and they've been incredible. What the Aces have been able to accomplish. But these are teams that are also willing to spend money, right? Yeah. Uh, the A's are not spending money. The Billy Bean era, it's not working. What do you? What is your take as a former professional athlete and a big part of Las Vegas? What do you think about the A's situation and what they're trying to do here? Well, one thing I can say about baseball is that, you know, when coming out of cities like New York, um, seeing the Yankees, the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, even even the Washington Nationals, um, all these different cities, I've, I've seen the, the professional baseball, the MLB in full effect. All these teams have either been in the playoffs or um, been battling for, you know, the championship in the last 10 years. And that says something about their franchise. Right. So when you have a team like the A's and you're saying you're coming to Las Vegas, well, first of all, when you come to Vegas, you know, there's a different light that's on you um, because of the city itself. Um, This is a city of entertainment. This is a city of, um, you know, people with locals who have a lot of ties all over the United States because that's what Vegas is. We, We bring them in from everywhere. And, you know, Oakland A's is no different. If you come, you're going to get the spotlight on you. So you better be prepared to do well or, you know, you're not going to get the type of fan following that you need from the locals. You have to respect the locals here in Las Vegas because, right. you know, the Aces, they came in and respected the, 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 you know, the Knights, they came in and respected. There's an NBA team. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of respect. And the NBA did it right. They 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 basically fed the market for over 15 years with the summer league. Now you have a tournament. I mean, all these things just add to the excitement, the allure Mm -hmm. of having an NBA team here. So 
for baseball, um, it's, it's the same thing. You got to come in here and you got to be prepared to do the work and do the job. I agree with you. I, I probably have asked you this before, Junkyard, but uh, it, what type of facet, which it, when, when we do get an NBA team, I think we all agree it's just a matter of time. Uh, what do you want to do within that organization? Would you want partial ownership? Would you want to be, you know, management, scouting, coaching? What, what part of a team it, it would be a dream job for you right now where you're at in your life? You know, um, I think that the dream job is just the affiliation. Number one, the affiliation with the NBA franchise that I've been a part of with the, with the Knicks and the Raptors, um, specifically, has always been, you know, what's the need? Um, because the need is really the the main focus of, of anything that I do. Um, that's what actually motivates me and drives me. So um, I've been certified as a general manager for NBA franchises, um, you know, and I'm that's from an educational standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have plenty of experience in, in marketing, have a degree uh, from Georgetown University and um, you know, the business of basketballs, you know, sort of like what I've been doing for the last 25 years, um, coaching even high level, uh, right. you know, future pros. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I have probably about eight NBA guys that were coached by me in, uh, at Finley prep, uh, in the league, uh, which is, which is great. But I think at the end of the day, my passion is, uh, the community. My passion does lie with, uh, you know, helping to to build that fan development and that core connection to the fans. So um, not known as a fan favorite for nothing. So I'm sure that would be one of the top yeah. priority lists on my, uh, on my, you know, yeah. on my things to do to help the franchise. And I can't, I can't think, I can't think of one person in Las Vegas that wouldn't want you to be in that sort of position because you would do so well. I want to ask you this, you know, you're so good with working with young players and young kids and, and millennials, I guess would be the word. What would be your advice to John Morant? Obviously he's such a skilled athlete. He's one of the faces of the league. Um, he's young. He's obviously made some, some, some mistakes. Uh, what would be your advice to him? I'm curious. Well, I've obviously reached out to Ja um, just on a personal level. And my advice was just simply just, you know, you have to be more conscious of your um, your your network, your network of friends, uh, people that you have in your in your core, because um, that's not to say that he needs to change those people or, or don't hang around with those people. But those people have to understand that he has a job to do. And this job uh, requires you know, a lot of focus, um, that his brand and, and the brands that are, are placed around him, um, and endorsements and the league itself that give him the platform to attract the brands. It's, it's a juggernaut. So you have to be aware of your surroundings and what you're doing because there's going to be consequences to anything that kind of goes down, you know, on camera. And so my advice is just simply, um, hey, you know, be conscious of the people that are in your circle and what they're doing at all times, because it could really cost you. And, you know, to the tune of everybody knows has been reported over 50 million dollars just from the NBA standpoint. Um, and, and, it, and it goes up from there, you know, Nike pulling shoes off shelves. Um, all those things matter when it comes down to it. And that's uh, something that, you know, he has the power to change. 
And listen, Jerome, uh, there are so many wonderful people in the league and w- the charity work that's done. And unfortunately, sometimes the media just focuses on a few people that make some bad mistakes, right? I understand that. Hey, listen, maybe I'm a part of that problem, but I got to tell you, I was really disappointed in Kyrie Irving. Uh, number one, I was disappointed in him with his vaccine rhetoric. Uh, I don't think he knew what he was talking about. Number one, he ruined that f- team, uh, in my personal opinion, you know, because he wasn't playing for most of the year. And then number two, promoting a film that is beyond anti-Semitic. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't even think Kyrie Irving is anti-Semitic. I just think he did something very ignorant. Uh, I'm just curious because what are your thoughts on, on Kyrie Irving and the last year and some of the things he's done and said? Well, I think Kyrie is in a tough situation because the the media and everybody has an opinion about you know what his you know outlook is when he's clearly stated several times that he loves Jewish people doesn't have a problem with Jewish people so instead of people commenting on that they go to the fact that you know within the film um is there's talk of um you know some anti-semitism within the film but you know that wasn't you know, his viewpoint, that wasn't the message that he was trying to put across. Mm -hmm. He was actually trying to um, show people in his culture that there's some other materials out there that they might need to look into. And I think that the other part of what he was, you know, the other part of the message was never picked up by the media and never, you know, expanded upon because they just jumped on the fact that within that video, there were anti-Semitism in there, mm-hmm. but that wasn't his goal. And I think that, um, you know, it's unfortunate that when things run away, that really can cost, you know, young stars like Kyrie, a lot of fans and a lot of money. So, yeah. you know, he, he learned a very serious, harsh lesson that that retweet, <laughs> that retweet button is, is a deadly thing. So you know, Jerome, yeah, tell me, Tell, tell me if you disagree with me or not, though, Jerome. Uh, I don't think it was only the retweet. Uh, I think it was the way he handled it after. And I don't know if that's the wrong people around him. Like the next day, just say, look, man, I'm not anti-Semitic. I love Jewish people. I should not have retweeted that. I didn't actually watch the film. I made a mistake. Let's move on. I feel like if he did that the next day, no issues. I, I mean, people could probably still criticize him for retweeting it. Hey, man, you should have known better. But I feel like the waiting and then the combative answers to questions in a press conference, not really. He owned what he did, but it, I felt like it took too long. Am I wrong in having that opinion? I don't disagree. It might have taken you, you know, might have taken him too long in, in, in your opinion. Um, and I think that that's a definitely a, a good way of looking at it. Um, I judge a man's heart, mm-hmm. not his timeline. Yeah. Um, because, you know, everybody has a different timeline of, mm-hmm. of how they want to, um, you know, kind of get their whole, you know, self out there. I think Kyrie is a very um, uh, uh, kind of, you know, keeps everything close to the vest. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was part of him trying to keep, you know, whatever he had that he didn't want to give close to his yeah. vest. Yeah. And it was kind of forced out. And, and sometimes... You know, I think as African-Americans and minorities, you know, if you ever watched that um, that that movie Roots mm-hmm. where, you know, we kept getting beat till he kept till he, till he was able to say that his name was Toby. Yeah. 
Well, for a lot of minorities, Mm -hmm. we felt like that for Kyrie. We felt like he was just getting beat, 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 beat. When we knew his heart was not that he did not like Jewish people. Most black people and most minorities do not have any issues with any Jewish person ever right. based on the fact that we know mm-hmm. what you guys have suffered, right. you, you know, your ancestors and, and all those things. And you guys, similar to us, right. know what we suffer. I agree. So, and, yeah. and so there's definitely, I mean, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm hard. Uh, it's hard for me to even think of any black person that says, I don't like Jewish, you know, right, or right. whatever. I agree. Right. I don't even think Kyrie's anti-Semitic. I've never said right. that. Yeah. He I don't, isn't. I don't I think he is. I just don't like the way he handled it. And I just think he, he's got a huge platform and with that comes a lot of responsibility. But let me ask you this. Listen, you played for four teams in nine years. I get it. Yeah. You know, it's part of the nature of the business, but it doesn't appear to me that Kyrie Irving can stay with a franchise for more than a couple of years. I feel the same way about James Harden. There are just certain guys that just don't mesh well in certain situations. And I feel like Kyrie is just a different guy. He's a different guy. And sometimes that's difficult maybe for other teammates and organizations to work with. I don't know, but it just doesn't seem like he can stay on with one team for more than a couple of years. Well, I mean, that's on his resume. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't fault you for seeing that and saying that because everybody knows it, you know, that's, uh, um, that's one thing that, you know, I never, I never look at it as being a negative thing because right. I've seen good players um, that happen to them all the time. And it, it's a business. So um, what, what, you know, franchises decide to do with their, you know, players of that caliber is up to them. Sure. Um, but one thing I can say is that, you know, uh, he's hit some big shots for, he definitely <laughs> for all <has>. the franchises <laughs> he's played for. Yeah. And the type of work ethic that he has in the gym. Yeah. Um, everybody didn't like Kobe Bryant. Right. You know, a lot of his teammates, you know, and I, and I say that with due respect for my brother, cause sure. he's my draft brother. Yeah. But, you know, everybody didn't like Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. you know, that played with him. Made everybody better. But, but the franchises, you know, they, mm-hmm. they kept, you know, standing by those two individuals sure. and, and for long periods of time. So, you know, for, for Kyrie, mm-hmm. you know, I just say, hey, look, um, he, he's, he's cut from a similar cloth. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. Now, they're, they're, they're all different. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's like right. Michael Jordan or like right. Kobe. I'm just right, saying right. It's, he's cut from a similar cloth in terms no, of I get what you're saying. Yep. how he kind of goes about things. Um, yep. Leadership wise. Sure. Uh, it, all those three guys were different. You see what I'm saying? No so like, question. I, I hear what you're yeah. saying. And so it's just and, sort yeah. of like, you know, so, so, yeah. so to answer your question, I kind of look at it like, Hey, you know, uh, it kind of all, it'll all sort of come out in the wash Mm-hmm. sort of towards the end of his career and, mm-hmm. and after, then we can more dissect, sure. oh, this was what was happening. Oh, because he said this or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. But the other guys that I mentioned before had championships. Sure. And Kyrie has uh, won. So he's not done, but, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we'll see if he can get some more. But those guys got yeah. five and six. <laughs> yeah, you're right, but nothing can take away, you're right, from Kyrie, the basketball player, and, and the high IQ he has on the basketball court and his talent and his work ethic. Nobody could take that away from him. I certainly would never do that. He's a star. He's a star in the league, and uh, there's no question about that. We hope he learned his lesson from even a retweet could, could, could hurt your career and cost you a lot of money. So hopefully he learned his lesson from that. Junkyard, before I let you go, what do you got going on here in Vegas? Anything you want to promote? Uh, I know you're involved with a lot 
lot of uh, different entities. Uh, anything you'd like to mention before uh, before we let you go? Oh, absolutely. You know, my shooting for peace and IP Fama right behind me. Those are the two things I'm constantly working on to tweak. Uh, shooting mm-hmm. for peace has been going on. Uh, started right there in Las Vegas with our first event um, in the school system. We're giving up all kinds of scholarships for kids. And not only that, but we're pointing kids towards their intellectual property um, for athletes made by athletes is IP Famba. And you're able to get free education and financial literacy Mm. as well as mental health and wellness um, right from our shootingforpeace.com website. You can log right on. It's good there for all students um, from elementary school to high school. And it's uh, very helpful. It's very helpful for for kids to understand their NIL, their name, image, and likeness is worth value. And we give you some tools at IP Famba in order to do that um, with NFTs and IP score, intellectual property scoring. And it's a lot of fun. So hopefully we can uh, help a lot of students out there and mm-hmm. a lot of parents and athletes who are looking for a little assistance. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we're out here and we're shooting for peace. I love it. Jerome, you're such a huge part of this community and uh, you've helped so many people along the way. And uh, so glad that you're, you're a Vegas local, even though you're in DC right now, you're a Vegas local. And uh, Jerome, I hope you're a big part of this franchise coming here eventually. And uh, always appreciate your time when you come on the show, my friend, thank you so much. Hey, appreciate you having me, brother. Thank Shout you. out to Big B. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Junkyard. I love you, my man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you. Uh, Jerome appreciate Williams. You, thank you, Jerome. Jerome Williams, great NBA career and even a better person. Uh, I love talking to him. One of the nicest people you'll ever meet, by the way. Like he's such a nice guy. He's so personable with people. He is the perfect guy to be a part of an NBA franchise coming here in whatever facet they choose. Because uh, I have so much respect for him. I really do. He's such a great guy. He had a good career. There's a reason why they called him Junkyard Dog, man. He did all the dirty work for his team. He was willing to do anything and everything underneath that basket. And uh, now he's doing it in retirement, in the years after basketball, doing all the dirty work. I, I hate to use that term, but doing all the work that maybe some other people don't want to do to help kids uh, turn into adults and and get them scholarships and get them educated and just a great dude, a great father. I've seen him with his kids and just a, a great man. So my thanks to uh, Junkyard Dog, Jerome Williams, for taking the time to join us, man. It's always fun talking to him and always, always, always cool to see him around town uh, and say hello to him. Uh, just a great dude. All right, here's what we're going to do. We have some Donald Trump breaking news. Yes, and it involves his campaign. We're going to talk about that when we come back with the Mooch himself. Anthony Scaramucci is going to be joining us next on the show. Uh, former White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci joining us next. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Salone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it.
Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada's ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Sapphire Pool and Day Club, the world's only topless gentleman's day club, introduces its 2023 pool season lineup with a bevy of beauties and social media celebrities throughout the summer who will all host alongside hundreds of Sapphire's topless poolside entertainers. Enjoy brunch in the sun with items like frittata-style omelets, stripping chicken, and French kiss toast before washing it down with signature summertime cocktails. Ten lines beware, go bear! Ladies are welcome to go topless within the day club for the ultimate party. Guests can purchase affordable day bed packages, cabana packages, lounge chairs, and more. The best part, though? Pushing the Limits will be broadcasting shows every other Friday throughout the pool season with a ton of surprise celebrity guests. Wow! Reserve your spot now. For more info, visit sapphirepoollv.com or call 702-869-0003. That's 702-869-0003. See you at Sapphire. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. 
Pine Hollow Winery is the first and only boutique winery in the Las Vegas city limits that features its own handcrafted wines. Located on the west side just minutes from the Strip at 7018 West Charleston, Pine Hollow Wines are available for tasting by the glass, bottle, or for carryout. Peach lovers, pick up a bottle of the Warm Fuzzy, which is a sweet Chardonnay-style wine made with peach and apricots. Visit PineHollowWinery.com for their events, wine menu, and hours. That's PineHollowWinery.com. As a three-time international award-winning restaurant, Joe's New York Pizza uses only the freshest and best available ingredients. From giant slices of hand-tossed pie to calzones, strombolis, fingers, and wings, Joe's serves all your favorites. Stop in for a slice at one of their two Las Vegas locations at Paradise and Harmon or South Las Vegas Boulevard, or you can check out their menu at joesnewyorkpizzalv.com. The National Atomic Testing Museum is a national science, history, and educational institution that tells the story of America's nuclear weapons testing program at the Nevada Test Site. Located at 755 East Flamingo Road, just east of Paradise, the museum offers immersive, interactive experts for guests of all ages. The museum is Smithsonian certified and open seven days a week. For more information, visit nationalatomictestingmuseum.org. That's nationalatomictestingmuseum.org. When you bring your vehicle to Star Auto Care for Maintenance, you'll have a team of professionals at your service. Every one of our technicians has been factory trained and master status certified to ensure that you receive the highest quality and most effective service. Star Auto Care is located at 3540 East Tropicana Avenue, just east of Pecos. Star Auto Care is confident in their prices and will match any mechanic located within 20 miles. Bring your vehicle in today and let Star Auto Care give you the peace of mind you deserve when you service your car. Visit them online at starautocare.us. Whether you're a corporate executive, on a family vacation, or just passing through, St. George Inn & Suites will meet your specific needs. It's conveniently located near restaurants, shopping, and movie theaters. St. George Inn & Suites offers a variety of room types, two fabulous pools and jacuzzis, a fitness center, a free full hot buffet breakfast, and laundry facilities. To make your booking, call 435-673-6661 or book online at stgeorgeinnhotel.com. You need to stop in Southern Utah? Make that stop at St. George Inn & Suites. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and the latest lines on every game. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards on every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino, Fiesta Wildfire, or the El Cortez. Details at the Sportsbooks. The Farmer's Burger from Farmer Boys. Beef, bacon, cheese, hand-smashed avocado, and fresh veggies. Best burger champ. That's how we drop the mic. Farmer Boys. Farm food ain't fast food. Farmer Boys' new always crispy fries stay crispier and tastier all the way home. If they make it home. Sharing is caring. Farmer Boys. Farm food ain't fast food. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, covering the breaking news where it appears as though Donald Trump's going to be indicted again, this time for breaking the Insurrection Act. 
Uh, they just keep on coming, the indictments, when it comes to Donald Trump. Well, what better person to talk about Donald Trump than a man, of course, uh, the former White House uh, communications director, knows the man very well inside out. It's been a little while, but it's always a pleasure to be catching up with the Mooch himself, Anthony Scaramucci, joining us right now on the line. Anthony, good to see you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I uh, uh, it's always it's always good to be on with you, Brian. But it's an auspicious day once again. Yeah. Uh, but this is uh, three out of four. So there's another indictment coming in Georgia. Uh, so listen, you know he's not that unlucky. He's a full-on ranked criminal, and so I know his supporters will defend him and they'll say all kinds of stuff that it's a witch hunt, but it's not a witch hunt from five, four different groups. You know, so you've got the city of New York, you have the Department of Justice, you have the Department of Justice on the documents and the J6 insurrection, and now you got the state of Georgia. So, I mean, this is big stuff. And so, listen, you know, he's going to go down, uh, and I think the fight will be among the remaining Republicans. You know, I do not think he makes it to the nomination. I don't even think he makes it to Iowa. Okay, so when you say you don't think he makes it, is that because you think he's going to back out of it? There might be some yes. deal. What, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, he's going to back out of it. He's He's got too much pressure on him, too many court cases. He's right now using the nomination or the potentiality for the nomination as an obfuscatory tool to not go to jail or not be prosecuted. Okay, so he's got the delay. It looks like it's going on the documents trial. Uh, the Department of Justice requested a December trial. The judge said that's too quick. It'll likely go into February or March. Um, but he's hoping and he's using, hey, I'm a political figure, I'm a political candidate, so you can't prosecute me right now. Uh, it's against the interests, if you will, of the electorate to do that. But I don't think that's going to hold up, and I think the scrutiny is going to just be overwhelming for him. They got him on tape in Georgia. I mean, it's sort of bizarre. It's literally what he said. I'm going to shoot people on Fifth Avenue, and it doesn't matter. There's going to be a group of people in the United States that support me no matter what. Do you believe, Anthony, that Donald Trump knew he lost the election? Because Jared Kushner yes. said that it, the, the opposite of that. He knew all along that he lost, right? This is his ego, yeah. right? Yeah, of course. No, he knew. He knew he was talking to people in 2016 about election fraud. Right. And he was he was ready to claim that it's a rigged system. He fully expected to lose in 2016. And so if there's evidence that the system is not rigged, it's the election of Donald Trump because no one wanted him yeah. in the establishment to be the president. And right. So the system's not rigged. He got full on legitimately elected in 2016. He got full on legitimately unelected in 2020. Now, remember, the Supreme Court ruled with those states. If you remember, the states, uh, uh, they took some liberties with the absentee ballots, and they said it's during COVID, a time of extremists. Uh, they lengthened the time of the delivery of the absentee ballots and so forth. Trump was trying to claim that that was election fraud, but, uh, but the states proved that they had a fair and impartial process with those ballots, and the Supreme Court of the United States, which you and I both know is a conservative court, right. and justices that were put on the court by Donald Trump, uh, six conservatives, uh, nine uh, justices on the court in total, right. they ruled against Donald Trump. So, so listen, it's a bunch of malarkey. It's a bunch of nonsense. He knows it. I know it. You know it. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but he's got a large group of people in the United States believing his election lie. I want so, to ask you about that. How is it we have possible? To break that fever somehow. Yeah, Anthony, how is it possible that so many in the Republican Party still see this guy as their guy and he's still the face of the party after all these indictments and everything that we've yeah. seen? How is mm-hmm. it possible that Republicans still support this guy? Well, it's a group of aging, disgruntled white people that are buying catheters and wheelchairs from Fox News commercial interruptions. And that's basically what it is. And so you have to understand that. And once you get that, that the Republican Party, rather than reshaping itself and the Republican Party, rather than becoming an entrepreneur's party, where they come up with new and re-engineered ideas, an American renewal a party that would think about the beautiful, colorful mosaic of the American people and then adapt strategies and policies consistent with what the country looks like today is a party of 1947. And I use 1947 for a reason, uh, because that's before Jackie Robinson got on the playing field. So this is a party pre-April of 1947, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's becoming a smaller and smaller party. And rather than changing their ideas, they're using all of these nuances in the system, like gerrymandering and getting people not to be able to vote or throwing out ballots so that they can maintain some type of semblance of power. And it's an irony. They're using what our great founders put in place to protect the minority voter. Uh, the, the the founders didn't believe in mob rule, so they set up a republic. They had a couple of uh, – that's why the Senate is set up with two per state. Right. Rhode Island has the same number of senators as California. It was to protect against mob rule. Yeah. But the Republicans have subverted that, and now we have yeah. the, tyranny, the tyranny of the – minority yeah where you know look they're running the house they're close on the senate mm-hmm. and they are definitely controlling the supreme court mooch do you agree with me i did this first hour where uh jayapal makes a statement obviously ridiculous saying that israel is a racist state and so many democrats come out and they denounce her comments she apologizes but i feel like when marjorie taylor green or a matt gates or a george santos says or does something absurd ridiculous bigotry whatever it is I feel like Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans today, some of them come out, but very few, to denounce some somebody who makes a statement like that in their own party. And I feel like today Democrats do it in an instant. But Brian, they can't do it because they're they're technically in the demographic minority. Okay, George Santos is a full on rank criminal. He's the representative from my district. Mm -hmm. Kevin McCarthy blows flowers (laughs) up as you know what, because he needs his vote. Okay, so this has gotten down to principleless political expediency. Okay, this is why the American public, this is why the American Congress has an approval rating just slightly above the North Korean dictator. The American people have had enough of these people. They've had enough of this nonsense, but they they don't know where to go. We're going to go with the 78 year old Donald Trump or the 82 year old Joe Biden. Mm. They don't know where to go. The best thing that the Republicans have going for them are the Democrats. Yeah. Okay. If this was if this was eighty years ago, Franklin Roosevelt would fire Kamala Harris. Mm. He would say, "Okay, we gave you a couple year run. You're not good at the job." Okay. Uh, you know, uh, Vice President Garner said that that job, the vice presidency, wasn't worth more than a bucket of blank. They changed it to spit, but you know it meant something else. Right. And Roosevelt fired him. He then fired Wallace. Okay. And eventually he went with Harry Truman. Mm-hmm. 
um, on his fourth term. But the point that I'm making is in a meritocratic society that was less virtue signaling, Kamala Harris would be off the ticket. Yeah. Uh, you'd put somebody on there like a Lloyd Austin or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that would solidify the situation for the president because yeah. you can't look at the president objectively and say, hey, at 80, looking at his physical frailness at 80, let's go with this. Right. You understand what I'm saying? I 100% so listen, agree with but, you. I mean, if you're going to put yeah. him up against uh, Donald J. Trump, I'm with Joe Biden. Yeah, I know you are. Yeah, and that's why saying. Not, why that, not replace yeah. her so that you can take the secession issue off the table? Couldn't agree hey, with you Brian, more. Yep. Nobody wants Kendall Roy running Waystar. <laughs> you're right. Okay? Nobody I, wants Kendall Roy running Waystar. So, yep. so let's get off of this virtue signaling. Right. And let's get on to here's a merit-based decision to protect the American Republic because, yeah. you know, Trump is openly now with his cohorts telling you he will do everything he can to deconstruct the administrative state. He will do everything he can to make this less of a democracy. Right. Uh, because listen, if the white people are not going to be in charge, if black and brown people are going to overwhelm demographically, the white people, we shouldn't give them a chance. We have to change the rules. Yeah, no, I agree so with you. I never asked you this. Charge, though. No problem. Let's yeah. leave it that way. And you know that's a bunch of malarkey. Of course. And you know that is completely unfair. And that's un-American. Yeah. So I am a patriot first. I'm a mm-hmm. partisan second. Right. And I side with the democracy. And I decide with the beautiful, mm-hmm. colorful mosaic of the American people. Yep. Um, but I don't know where we're going here because we've got a lot of cynicism in the well, process. Well, let me ask right you this, where we're going. Uh, and I respect you for that, as for many other things. But I never asked you about Ron DeSantis. His numbers continue to plummet and Donald Trump's numbers continue to rise. What are your thoughts on Ron DeSantis as a whole? And is that a guy that you could ever vote for? Okay, the the chair that I'm sitting on right now, Brian, is more magnetic and more charismatic than Ron DeSantis. The desk that this computer is on, okay? I mean, Ron DeSantis is a drip, okay? That's what my 86-year-old mother would call him. He's picked a fight with the largest employer in his state. He's a virt- anti-woke mm-hmm. guy, okay? So he's doing the opposite of virtue signaling, uh, and he's nonsensical. Instead of talking about good policies and trying to endear himself to people, he has this weird low EQ distancing strategy. And, you know, he was trying to boycott NBC News. They asked him a question he didn't like. You know, Brian, they have put me in the media. They put me through the meat grinder. Okay? Yeah. Been parodied on Saturday Night Live, destroyed by late night comedians, yeah. ripped up by cable news pundits. And I show up. Right. I got no problem. We have a free press and I'm a public figure. This guy is a baby. OK, and he should not be the president of the United States. And he's getting exposed now on the very broad national platform on what a drippy is. But the chair I'm sitting on, OK, which is a very nice chair, I might add. And it's sort of, you know, it's a bland white chair. <laughs> it looks nice. But I'm just letting you know that this chair <laughs> is more entertaining and more exciting and more charismatic than DeSantis. So so he's got no shot. And they can throw $100, $200 million at him. One of his fundraisers reached out to me, and I laughed. And I said, by the way, also, DeSantis, I don't even know why, he went after me on some conservative radio show in New Hampshire, hmm. and somebody sent it to me. I'm like laughing. I'm like, okay, guy, first of all, I don't really know you, and you're going after me. That's fine. So Guess what? I know how to fight back. Ask Donald Trump if I know how to fight back. Oh, you Brian. do. If there's one thing you definitely I know how to fight back. Yes. So, 
no problem for me. My wife is thrilled. When Trump lost, my wife was very upset in one way. I mean, she hates Trump right. almost as much as Melania hates him, and that's a very high <laughs> high bar. But she was like, what are we going to do now? Who are you going to end up fighting with? And I said, no, no, relax. There'll be other people to fight with. And now Governor DeSantis wants to fight, so I'm, 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 into, I'm into it. I yeah. like it. You'll definitely win that fight. There's no question about that. I have to ask you about this, and Ron DeSantis is a big part of this. Why are so many Republicans out there obsessed with gender ideology? Like like Ron DeSantis was asked by Trey Growdy on Fox News, how are you going to end the war in the Ukraine? And he talks about gender ideology. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, yeah. so many of these Republicans, they protest outside of Target. They're, they're, our kids are being indoctrinated. They don't want to talk about gun control or the real issues facing children. And they want to talk about drag queens reading books to children. Why are so many Republicans obsessed with gender ideology? Um, well, because it works. Okay. So they test that and it works in that group of catheter and wheelchair buyers that I described, mm -hmm. uh, in the Fox news commercial introduction, interruption segment, it works with them because when you say that there's a gender, this or a gender that, or a groomer, this or a groomer that, Oh, the world's falling apart. Remember people get to a certain age and they long for the past and they say, Oh, the past was way better than it is today. But if you poll people in 1947, they said, well, 1917 was better. Uh, 1977, well, they said 1947 was better. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody does that. It's a psychological phenomenon. And so what happens is it works and it scares the bejesus out of the people that they're trying to attract to the voting booth. And they're saying, okay, wait a minute, the culture is changing. And Ron DeSantis is the guardian of my old culture. And I would like to live in my old culture, so I'm going to vote for Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. Where he's flawed and where they're wrong is that the culture has changed, but the country is working. Yeah. This phenomenal, beautiful experiment known as America, uh, this collective of multi-ethnics and multi-religions is actually working. It's become the most successful country in the world mm -hmm. because of the flatness of the country and because of the general meritocracy of the country, and they would be better served figuring out ways to help people become more aspirational mm -hmm. as opposed to becoming culturally desperational. Yeah, no, you that see, makes they're, sense. they're yep. preying on the culturally desperate. Yep. I would like to appeal to the aspirations of the society, right? Not the fears of the society. And you know this, Brian, and I know this. If there's a transgender person, God bless them. They can live their life. If you're a conservative Christian, you know what? There's a spot and there's a lot of runway for you to live your life unfettered by them right. and vice versa. That is the beauty mm -hmm. of the United States of America. Couldn't agree but, anymore. Yep. But, but these guys, they want to narrow it down. They want to create hate and fear mongering yep. um, because it works. Um, but you know what? The good news is it's working on a smaller and smaller base of people. Yeah. And so hopefully there'll be a transformative Republican leader. I hope so. That comes, that comes in there and says, Hey, this is stupid. This does not work. We're pro growth. We'd like moderate regulation. We don't want Gary Gensler over regulating mm -hmm. the securities industry or the crypto industry. We want fair, judicious regulation and we want pro growth strategies to create an aspirational opportunity for Americans. We don't want equal outcomes because that's communism, but we do want equal opportunity because yeah. that's Americanism. Okay. A platform of equal mm -hmm. opportunity 
If the kid's not born into the right family, let's get them a good education and really good quality health care mm-hmm. so that they can get to the starting block and compete with the rich kids. That's yeah. all. That's, that's why. All. That's why you need to run for office, Anthony. We're running out of time here, but I want to no, ask I'm you. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm running for re-election in my marriage. My <laughs> wife believes in castration, Brian. I can't. I can't but you are office, a right? reasonable, extremely. I like my body parts, Shapiro. <laughs> I can't run for office. Okay, just want to make sure you know. Fair that. enough. I, I I respect that, but uh, you're a reasonable, extremely intelligent, successful guy. We need more people like you, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. I don't care. Last question. We only have two minutes left here. I have to ask you this. I know it's been a minute since you spoke to Donald Trump. If yeah. you were in a room with him alone right now, I'm curious, what would you say to him? Well, I, I, it would take me longer than a minute, but I would say, I know you're scared. You know what? I know you're scared. You know why we're on the radio and I know you're frightened. I know you're going to overreact to everything. But I would work with my lawyers right now to take a powder on these cases. You're the former president of the United States. You'll be able to negotiate a settlement where you don't end up going to jail. Tell people you're not running anymore. Handpick a successor that you like for your movement and hang out in Mar-a-Lago. That's what I would tell him to do. If he doesn't do that, okay, due to his pride or his ego or his stubbornness, um, I think he's going to end up in a bigger disaster. You've got zealous prosecutors that want his scalp, uh, and they've got him on the yeah. evidence. And so to me, I would negotiate a settlement is what I would tell him. and I would get out of the political arena. His time has already passed. You are the worst politician since Herbert Hoover for the Republicans. You lost the presidency, the House and the Senate, and your time has passed. Let's cut it out now. You're not going to go to jail, but cut the deal. That's really, really good advice. He probably wouldn't take advice from anybody, uh, and he should. No, he never took yeah. any advice from anybody. That's right. how he got fired. I mean, right. he's pushing back on stuff. Yeah, man. and you know what? If he kept you and, and, and treated you better as the communications director, he would have had a better presidency, and he wouldn't have so many of the, it, I believe, so many of the issues that he's dealing with now. Anthony Scaramucci, you're always one of my favorite guests. Love I talking to you. you having me, man. Love talking to you and catching up with you, my friend. Uh, and uh, you have a beautiful family and uh, a very successful business and i uh, appreciate you coming on and taking the time my friend we'll catch up with you soon and when you come to vegas steak dinner on me my friend you got it brother enjoy the All summer right. okay i hope to speak to you soon thanks mooch appreciate that uh anthony scaramucci always one of my favorite guests i have so much respect for him um listen joe walsh is one of my favorite guests too like scaramucci you know he was a supporter back in the day but we need more people like Anthony Scaramucci. We need more people like Joe Walsh, Anthony Scaramucci's of the world running province. I know Anthony doesn't have to run and he won't run, um, but I wish he did. And I, and I wish more people like Anthony were, were, were able to, uh, uh, from the Republican side, speak out and tell it like it is, man. The Mooch is always the best. Always appreciate him coming on. A lot of fun. Tomorrow on the show, a woman by the name of Lisa Latte Lublin is going to be joining us. She claims that Bill Cosby raped her decades ago, but now because of new laws that were passed in the state of Nevada, she's able to file a lawsuit against Bill Cosby, a civil suit. And she's going to talk to us about that coming up next, uh, uh, or I should say coming up tomorrow, not coming up next. My time is over today. Uh, my thanks, of course, to Junkyard Dog Jerome Williams for joining us, and of course, the Mooch himself, Anthony Scaramucci. Thanks for... Uh, joining us everybody appreciate it we'll see you tomorrow same time same place have a great day